thought I was already preaching, but I'm just getting hit on all the cylinders. So what's the message for the morning? I knew you was going to ask me that. What is it that the Lord wants to say this morning? This is what He wants me to talk to you about. He wants me to talk to you about how to deal with evil spirits. Now, this, in, in this sense, and you could t- probably title it like, like this, what you must know to deal and do to deal with evil spirits. What you must understand and do to deal with evil spirits. Because it has something to do with you. I'm talking about demonic powers. Satan is already defeated. But it's up to me to walk out that reality in my life. How many of us can say and believe and probably can find scriptures that says that the Bible says that Satan is defeated? Do you agree with that? That Satan is defeated? Is it unanimous or just? It is. You know, it's unanimous. That Satan is defeated. Well, this is a good way of memorization for you. If Satan is defeated, that means you don't have to run from him anymore because he has no feet. You said he's D-E-D-E-F-E-E-T-E-D. Isn't that right? He's been defeated. You told me. You said it was in the Bible. Unanimous. So every time you think of the devil, think about it and see how you laugh. That's what you ought to do. You ought to laugh at the devil. Ha, 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 ha. Because he is defeated if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you have authority over the devil. You do. And the church, this is a message of the hour for the church. The church must understand this. And we have a revelation, but it seems like we put some things on the shelf. And the Lord has the ways of bringing things back and reminding us of what we need to be doing in this hour. We can put a stop to these riots, tumults, and disturbances. We can put a stop to things going wrong in the Supreme Court and the political arena and the Congress of the United States. We can put a stop to it. The church can in the authority, because it's not God that's doing bad. It's the devil because we haven't stopped him like we should as a whole. So there's some things that you need to know. There's only three things, three things. Say three. Three. Only three things. It's so simple. Now this message was given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus. The Lord Jesus gave me this. There's only three things that you must know and put into practice if you're going to deal with any evil spirit or devil, demon, whatever you call it, any kind of satanic power. There's only three things. These three things are found right in your Bible that are not things that I'm making up. It's not things that I'm just pulling out of thin air trying to make the Bible agree with it. There's only three things. If you can get these three things down, which I believe you will, I've got great faith in you. In fact, I've probably got more faith in you than you've got in yourself. I believe in you. The Lord believes in you. You know, you are somebody. I'm telling you, you're going to make it. I know the devil beats you over the head and tells you, sorry, low down, no good thing. You need to arise and get your number 10s out and kick him in the rear end. I'm not going down. You're not taking me out. Why? 
Because I've been there where he tried to kick me down, tell me I'm not going to make it. And I believed it for a while. But one of the days I climbed out of the gutter and I'm not going back. I'm here to tell you, I'm not going back in the gutter. I'm not going back. I said, I'm not going back. It's a lot better over here. Woo! Woo! It's a lot better. A lot better. <laughs> three things. Only three. It's so simple. But Jesus Christ himself spoke to me supernaturally. And I'll not get into that story. But he supernaturally and gave me this. Because he's used me a lot in this particular area. But it's Luke chapter 4. Did you tell me to turn there? You know, you're good at that, you know. You're good at telling me where to turn to. So where do you want me to turn to? Luke chapter 4. Why? Because you're a participator. You're not a spectator, sweet potato, red potato, Irish potato. You are a participator. Isn't that right? That's what you are. So we're not vegetables sitting here. We're looking to the Spirit of God. You're perceiving things. And while revelation is flowing, you know what's going to happen? God's going to give you revelation. Things beyond what I say. Because when revelation starts flowing, you got the Spirit of God in you. And while you're sitting there, your Spirit's going to be preaching you a message. Oh, yes. You're going to begin to get revelation. Because I'm not the only one that hears from God. You hear from God. The Spirit of God is inside of you. If you've been born again, He's there. And He's going to put you over. But there's only three things that you must know and, uh, and understand and put into practice if you're going to deal with any satanic power. And if you'll take these three simple principles, three principles, and apply them, you will always have 100% success in dealing with any evil spirit or evil power. Every time, 100%, totally effective. And it comes straight out of this. Jesus, again, gave me this supernaturally because I was standing, some of you may not know my testimony, but I, I spent over 10 years of my life behind prison bars because I was running from God and going my wrong way. And then, of course, I got born again and uh, my life turned around, turned myself in, went back to prison. You know, and God supernaturally got me out of a life for, out, without parole situation. And I'm out preaching the gospel, been preaching the gospel and been serving God since uh, 1982, full time. So it's not just a part-time thing. He's kept me since 1982 to now, which is quite some time. Isn't that right? And so when you hear about me being in prison, some people might want to get up and run out. Lock the doors, boys. Keep them here. Don't let them out. You know, now, that may bother you to lock the doors, but I was in prison for 10 years. It won't hurt you. I'm telling you. <laughs> but uh, I became acquainted with God after I came off my third escape from prison. And I began to seek God with everything that's within me. I started fasting, I started praying, I started studying the Word of God, and I'm talking about this meditating on His Word and getting involved in anything I could do with God. This is while I'm in prison. You could say I had time on my side. <laughs> and I began to seek God. <clears throat> and we was up against it in our, in our little uh, convict church. I was elected... Uh, as the convict pastor, yeah, they called us convicts in that day. 
you knew you was a low-down scoundrel in that day. I'm telling you, they didn't pat you on the back and say it was some kind of sickness. No, they beat the devil out of you. <laughs> and lock you in cages and all that kind of stuff, you know. And I'm not saying we should be kind to people, but uh, they called us convicts. So I pastored what they call the convict church. The Lord supernaturally put me there. And I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't uh, really stand in the pastoral office, uh, but the Lord permits you to be in places to train you, you know. So they elected me as the pastor of the convict church. I was uh, been transferred from a life without parole prison where death row, the electric chair, was death by electrocution in the state of Alabama. And, and so I was there for quite some time before I was released from there. It took a long time for me to get out of there. It was God's doing to get me to another prison that wasn't quite as bad because in that prison I was in, people were getting stabbed. You know, every week two or three people would die, be stabbed to death, things like that. My, two of my best friends were stabbed to death for the sole purpose that they would not deny Jesus Christ because I didn't know what I'm telling you now. But the Lord taught me these things. And after he taught me those things, not one of my church members got killed because you had to die for what you believed for in the prison that we were in. Because there were people that were demon-possessed. That's what a lot of people, not everybody in prison is demon-possessed. But there are a lot of demon-possessed people in prison. I'm not saying if you've got loved ones there, they are. But a lot of them were influenced by demons, whether they're possessed or not. And the only thing that's going to set them free is somebody that knows God's power. I can guarantee you. Because nobody in their right mind would do things that people do if they was in their right mind. So I, I was there, and they elected me as the uh, convict pastor. And, of course, the, the chaplain put him up to it because one of the guys had left, and, and we had a chaplain that was a, he was a, a pastor, a, a minister of the gospel. He was almost as good a preacher and anointed as, as Pastor Jeff and Pastor Christine, but he wasn't that good, but he was almost that good. I mean, he believed in casting out devils, raising the dead, healing the sick. He was the best chaplain. We called him chap as a term of endearment. I mean, he'd just turn you loose on any devil. My God, pray for him. And even old-time Pentecostal, he believed in shaking the devil out of him. My God, let's get him and pray for him, and something's going to happen. He's either going to break some bones or the devil's coming out one. I mean, he, just, he didn't care. Amen. He's going to break some bones, but he just knew how to pray. So he told him, he said, y'all ought to, consider voting for him to be the pastor. We had church seven days a week, so he couldn't be there every single service, you know. And they allowed us to have seven days a week, two hours a day, it won't hurt you. On Sunday, we had two services, and we had prayer meeting every single day at noontime, besides church. It won't hurt you. I'm telling you, it didn't hurt me. Oh, it was amazing what God did. And so they, they got up there and they wanted me to preach a message, you know what I mean? Because they want to hear you preach and all that. So they vote on you, you know, congregational vote. And they wouldn't been about, you know, 10 or 12 or 15. So I didn't have to fool too many of them, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I didn't know what to do. But I, by this time, I had become acquainted with uh, Dr. Kenneth e. Hagin. I, I, I called him Dad Hagin's a term of endearment later on, you know, after I got out and got to know him and meet him and everything, but he had these little mini books. Remember the mini books, you know? And so what I did for my sermon is I took one of his little mini books. I got some tape from the chaplain's office, and I taped it in my Bible. <laughs> and I read that mini book verbatim. My God, I, 
I, I got good at it. The only problem I would have is I'd get excited and get to spitting about it, you know, and, and the page would flip. I wouldn't know what in the world to say next. And I'd say, boys, God's here. Buy your heads and pray. My God, pray. And while they're praying, I'm flipping, you know, find my place. And I say, all right, look here. <laughs> so they elected me as convict, to the convict pastor, because they thought I could really get a message. Amen? Listen. You may not have your own message when you first start. It's all right to preach somebody else's. All of us did. And all of us still do. It's all right. Start out when you know you're called. If you're a rooster, you're going to crow. Go. Let's go. You know what I mean? Do something. I mean, you can't hold it in. I preached my first sermon on a prison yard with my back to my fence with some bodyguards standing in front of me so I wouldn't get stabbed to death. That was my initiation into the ministry. And you're complaining about yours. <laughs> Woo, let's go. If it's in you, it's going to come out of you somehow. So I was elected. So we're, are, we're trying to pastor this you know, convict church is like trying to herd a, a pile of cats. You know what I mean? I mean, this one going that way, that one going that way. This one didn't agree with this one. This one's over here. This one's mad at that one. You know, this is going to kill that one in his sleep, you know. and I mean, we had people try to kill one another in church. Literally. Fighting and carrying on. I mean, I pastored the church, though. So hallelujah. But we begin to... We begin to uh, pray. There was about five of us. We just made an agreement that we're going to seek God and ask Him to help us. Because we didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. So we started fasting and praying. That don't mean we missed every meal. But we'd done a lot of fasting and a lot of praying. And as I was praying one day, I'll never forget it, April the 5th, 1984, Standing out behind a prison dormitory where everybody else is in the chow hall. Nobody knew I was out there. I wasn't making a big show of it or nothing. But I was out there praying and seeking God. April the 5th, 1984. Suddenly, the heavens seemed to open over that prison. And when it did, the glory of God came down upon me. And as it came down upon me, the anointing was so strong that I could not stand any longer. So I fell up beside this block wall there because I was kind of close to the block wall where I wouldn't be seen by the gun towers and I'm thinking I'm doing something. You know what gun towers are? Oh, you've been there too? <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, I knew that was you, but anyway. That's where the officers set up there with automatic rifles, carbines, and shotguns in case you want to hop the fence and get an early parole. They discourage that. You know what I mean? So I was kind of, I didn't want to create nothing, so they'd call the officers and think I was out there doing something. But the anointing came on me so strong that I was almost slain in the spirit, and I'm not talking about a bad way, a good way. It was so heavy. The anointing is weighty. And I just slipped down beside that wall, weeping and crying for joy, not sadness. And I heard these words. I said, I'm anointing you today to begin to enter into the ministry that I called you to. And he said, nations and countries shall be changed. Well, I really started squalling in. Because here I am, 
sliding down the wall of a prison dormitory, got big old gigantic fences, two of them, all the way around there, guards in gun towers, and dogs running between the fences that would eat you, you know what I mean, trained to kill if you got outside, and then officers outside in a vehicle riding around in case you beat all that where they could shoot you down when you got out of there. And God's got this wild, crazy idea that I'm going to go to the nations of the world. <laughs> but he called Abraham the father of many nations. He didn't even have a child. The father of many nations. God calls those things that be not as though they are. And that is what's happened to you. He called you. And you know that he's called you something. And there's something inside of you that won't let you quit. Uh, it's God that spoke in your spirit. Uh, some of you almost lost sight of it. Uh, some of you almost give up. But I'm here to tell you that same God that called Abraham, that same God that called me, and that same God that called you pastors uh, has called you. And that word he's spoken over you is still just as real today as when he first spoke it and he intends uh, for it to come to pass listen don't make me come back there I'm telling you the truth I'm telling you the truth the giftings and equippings in your life there's enough people right here in this room to change the world Jesus had 12 men and one of them was demon possessed <laughs> Woo! I'm telling you it's in you. When God lives in you, there's things you can do. I'm trying to preach and y'all keep agging me on here. Let me get to the scriptures. I, I turned to, what did y'all tell me to turn to? Look for. See, I knew you were participating in this. Luke chapter 4. God's dealing with us today. He's helping us. See, that spirit's coming on you. That anointing's on you. I watched you. When I first got up, it was like, oh, hum, you know, but now, where's the doggone devil? Oh, my God, let me, where, uh, my Lord, where, where, where is he? My God, I'll tell you, I'll put you in your place, buddy. You just show up over my house. Why? That's an anointing of God. And listen, we're not making this up. This is Bible. There's only three things, three things, you, principles, you could call it, three principles that you must know and put into operation to deal with any evil spirit. Three. And you want to know where they're at? Jesus Christ gave you this supernaturally. Luke 4, chapter 4, verse 31. This is speaking of Jesus and his disciples came down to Capernaum. Verse 31. A city of Galilee, and he taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, or what he preached. Why? For his word was with what? Uh, authority or power. His preaching was with authority. It wasn't a defeated message. It wasn't a message that we're going under. It wasn't a message that there's no hope. It, it wasn't. It was with authority. It was something that we're going to win, that we're going to overcome. As long as the church is in this world, the devil cannot take over. Unless the church allows it. He cannot take over. So his word he spoke was with authority and power. It wasn't defeated the message. 
And look what happened. While he's speaking with his power and authority, guess what happens? The devil tries to interrupt the gospel from going out. Verse 33, and in the synagogue, which we would call the church in our day, said there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. There's different kinds of devils. There's different kinds of spirits, but that's not my message today. And he cried out with a loud voice. The spirit used the man's vocal cords and cried out. The spirit cried out, but it used the man's vocal cords and voice box and mouth to speak through. When a person is totally demon-possessed, it takes that person over spirit, soul, and body. You see very little of it here in this country, even though you do see it from time to time, see it a lot in prisons. But uh, you see more uh, uh, obsession than you do anything, where people are obsessed with a way of thinking. And then you do see demon possession. People is doing some of these things and shooting and killing people and rioting. It's a lot, some of this stuff is caused by demons. Some are actually demon-possessed, but not everybody. Thank you for getting excited about it. And this devil, the unclean devil, cried out with a loud voice, used the man's vocal cords, used his mouth, and the devil spoke to Jesus. You need to learn something here. You need to learn something. And this is what we all need to learn. Anytime that you, the devil comes against you, you never take a passive position. You never just hope that he leaves you alone. You always take action immediately. Jesus taught us this, and that's what I want to point out to you. In this scripture, the devil confronted Jesus. Another thing I want to point out to you is Jesus was not hunting the devil. He wasn't looking for the devil. He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching the word. But in the process, the devil tried to interrupt what God had him doing. Yes, he was God manifested in the flesh, but he laid aside his deity. So he's operating as a man, you understand? So while this man, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Son of God, is preaching the gospel, then he's confronted by a devil. How many times have you been confronted? More times than you can count. How many times have you been passive? Or how many times have you actually took action against him? If you don't take action against him, then he is going to rule and reign over you. But he said here, this demon spoke with his voice and said in verse 34, saying, let us alone. He said, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? He said, art thou come to destroy us? He said, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The devil knew who he was. What did that mean? He recognized the anointing on Jesus' life. And I'll tell you what else. The devil will recognize the anointing on your life. He knows when you're a believer. And he knows when you're born again. Jesus was not passive when he was confronted. He immediately took action. Jesus did. Because you have to. He was demonstrating this for us. Verse 35. And Jesus did what? He rebuked him. Rebuked him. And said, hold thy peace and come out of him. Jesus told this evil spirit exactly what he wanted him to do. And you must too. Give directions to the devil. That don't mean you hold a conversation with him. He told that devil, hold your peace. In other words, we'd call it shut up, shut your mouth. Brother Norval Hayes would say shut up. <laughs> I hear he's speaking at World Harvest today. Hallelujah. Out yonder in California. Woo. But he was like, shut up, devil. And come out of him. 
I've done it too. But it, in other words, you give specific directions because you're in charge. You're in charge. It says, and when the devil had thrown him, this individual, the human being, the devil had thrown him in the mist, he came out of him and hurt him not. A lot of times the devil kicks up a dust and a fuss. But he still got to do what you say. He may kick up a dust and kick up a fuss. But he still got to do what you say. Isn't that right? Just like he did here. How do we know? He came out of him and hurt him not. He didn't hurt that man. Because demons do try to hurt people. But he didn't hurt him. And he said in verse 37, or verse 36, it says, And they were all amazed and spake among themselves. Who was amazed? The people that saw and witnessed this. They were amazed and spake among themselves, saying, This is what their confession was. What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. In other words, he had total victory over him. They obeyed what Jesus said. It says, And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And so now you're looking for the three principles, and they're right here in this verse. I got this directly from Jesus Christ. Anytime that you ever deal with the devil, you've got to understand and put into operation these three principles. Verse 36 says, They were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with number one, you must understand your authority. You must understand that you've got authority over the devil. This is right in the Bible. For with number one, he said, For with authority, and then you truly don't have authority unless you have the power to back it up. So number two, with the power of God that backs up your decisions and your commands. Yes, I understand my authority, and I understand that the power of God backs me up. It's not who I am, but it's God's power, God's anointing that's operating through me. It's His Spirit that's going to make this devil leave if I do my part. But now you can understand your authority, you can understand the power of God, but if you don't take step three... He commanded. You've got to command the devil in the name of Jesus. Authority, power, and command. Those three simple steps is all you need to know. Those three simple principles is all you need to know to deal with any evil spirit anywhere at any time. Authority, power, and command. You must understand that Jesus has totally defeated the devil. You must understand that he's delegated the authority over Satan to you on this earth. You must understand that through the name of Jesus uh, that you have authority over every devil and demon. And I'd encourage you, if you was not able to be with us last night, get the recordings from that service. I've got series over here that talks about how to cast out the devil and all these kind of things. But it's got a lot about this over there. But uh, authority, you must understand that when you're born again... Turn to Colossians, and I'm, I'm trying to hurry up. That'd be a miracle of God, but God's in a miracle business. Amen? The book of Colossians, turn there. There's something that transpires when you are born again. In Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. When you're born again, something happens to you in the spirit realm. 
You don't see a lot of changes, you know, naturally to you, physically, your hair is the same color, all that kind of stuff, but it's spiritual things. But he said in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Giving thanks unto the Father, our Father God, which has made us meet, which means able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So that means we have authority over all darkness because I'm a saint in light. Verse 13, he said, Who hath, past tense, when you're born again, hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has done what? Has translated us into what? The kingdom of his dear son. In other words, you change kingdoms. Spiritual kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of Satan, and there's a kingdom of God, a kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come out of the kingdom of darkness, uh, you're in the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, you're in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God dominates totally and completely the kingdom of Satan. And because you are translated into that in the spirit, it's a spiritual thing, you accept it by faith. You embrace it by faith. Then you have the authority and the privilege and the right to use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ against any evil spirit that there is. Because you're in the kingdom of God. Isn't that right? So, when you, you have that right to use that name, we know that about authority, but also power. I have no true authority unless I have the power of God that backs it up. In other words, the anointing, the Spirit of God, I can say the name of Jesus all I want to, but it has to be the power of God that drives that demon out. Isn't that right? And then I'm going to be successful all the time. But remember, I, I not only have to understand my authority, have to understand that the power of God is behind me. Why? Because I am in the kingdom of God now. And number three, I command the devil in the name of Jesus Christ and command him to stop, get out of here, and don't come back in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially when it pertains to you as an individual. When it pertains to you, your family, your children, and what your, your little dominion, you have authority there, total authority. That when it comes to somebody else, you've got to get them usually to get an agreement with you. I mean, you can cast devils out of people if they want them out. And I've cast out a lot of devils over the years. But I actually got tired of doing it, I'll be honest. Because people didn't stand for themselves once the powers of darkness was made to leave them because of the anointing of God. And they didn't get into the Word of God. They didn't seek God. They didn't get in church. They didn't get around believers. And then the devil came back worse than he was ever before. So you want to make sure that you're walking in the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when you're dealing with these things. And dealing with the powers of darkness, you have authority. How? Authority, power, and command. So I'd encourage you to do a study. I'm not going to do the study for you this morning. I know you want me to, but that's not my job. I'm here to bring you the revelation. You know what I mean? Your job is to study about your spiritual authority and about the power of God that backed it up. Just go through the New Testament and read. Anytime Jesus confronted any demon, he always had total victory over it. Always, 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 always. The power of God was always there. He always had total victory, total success over every devil. But when he met the devils, he wouldn't, didn't take a passive position. He took an active position. He took action. 
He said, come out, do this, shut up, do something, go somewhere. And you have too. You've got to use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to overcome the powers of darkness and put them in their place. Now this day that I was anointed in prison to make all of this mean something to you without getting into these and thous and wherefores and where nots. Pastor Jeff, Pastor Christine, somebody else can tell you all the wherefores and how-tos and all that and do a lot better job than I do of it. They're anointed to do that, you know, and tell us all that and done the exegesis. I've done some exing, but I didn't know about that exegesis, you know, that I got in the kingdom of God. You know, a lot of people, you know, graduated from Penn State. I graduated from the state Penn. So it's a... <laughs> That's my claim to fame. I'm just telling you. But we need, we got people, amen. But that's my claim to fame. Hallelujah, that I have. But I was there. Remember that day I was talking about the anointing that came down on me in the prison? And we was praying. Well, I had been witnessing to a guy led by the Lord. I mean, just be led by the Lord. You know, when you we need to pray and seek God, and I don't mean you don't need to talk to people about the Lord. But I remember one time I was in Kokomo, Indiana. Kokomo. Looking for Indian Joe in Kokomo. I never found him. But uh, Reverend Tony Cook is up from that way. If anybody knows him, he's from up in that way. I was preaching in a church anyway. The pastor, uh, you know, had picked me up at the airport. I'd flown an airplane, a different one than I've got now. But uh, into the airport. And he said, Brother Randy, he said, we got a witnessing team that goes out. And he said, uh, he said uh, you know, I don't want to... You don't have to do it if you don't want to. He said, but they meet on Sunday mornings, you know, prior to the regular service. And he said, uh, he said I tried to encourage them, you know, because they really got a good heart to reach people. And he said, would, would you mind just sharing something with them, you know, just take 10 or 15 minutes to share something with them? And I said, yes, sir. I said, I'll do it. You know, I'll try to do it. But I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to tell them? What in the world am I going to tell them? What I mean, remember, I graduated from the state pen. You know what I mean? I, did, I didn't have all that motivational speech and all that, go get them and do this and do that, you know? And I just kept praying, oh, Lord, what am I going to say? What am I? I don't know. I don't, I've always just been led by the Spirit of God. So I prayed about it and thought about it, you know? The other part, you know, ministering to the congregation, all that was fine, but doing all that, telling the, you know, witnessing team what to do and what to say, I just didn't know. So I got up the next morning, I'm still, you know, I'm getting ready, getting dressed, getting ready, pastor to pick me up, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, as I'm driving along with the pastors of the church, still wondering, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? I'm thinking of everything, you know, thinking of any scriptures, thinking of anything I can think of, you know, trying to think in the mental realm. And finally, it dawned on me. You're not smart enough to know what to do. Why don't you just quit thinking about it and let the Holy Ghost take over? amazing how intelligent you can be <laughs> so I just shut her down I just said I ain't going to worry about it I ain't going to think about it because it's almost to the point of worrying I know you're not supposed to worry y'all taught me better than that you know but man what am I going to say and so I got to the little room they had it and I walked in the door and the pastor just walked up you know because they're just sitting there waiting and said well here's brother Randy you know I told you he's going to come share with you this morning he said, Brother Randy, when he did, I stepped up to the pulpit and the anointing came on me. And this is what the Lord said. By revelation knowledge, by the word of the Lord, this is what came to me. He said, you tell them to do 90% praying, 10% going, they'll have 100% success. He said, but most people do 
90% going and 10% praying and have very little success. In other words, you're led by the Holy Ghost. Amen? And, and, of course, you follow the Lord. You do what He tells you to do. You follow the unction. But if you're in prayer, God knows who's going to be accepted to you. He'll know, and He may send you to even unexpected places. Because sometimes we think we need to go over here. He may send you down to the billionaire's house. You know what I mean? Yeah, we need to go to the projects or whatever, but, uh, you know, there may be a time He sends you somewhere else. My Lord, He may send you up to the White House in the Congress. <laughs> Sister Rachel Tiefertiller, God used to send her up there in the White House with a broom. Y'all remember her? Sister Rachel, she'd sweep it out in the Spirit. <laughs> Back on years ago, she's with the Lord today. But I was standing up behind that prison praying the anointing of God came over me. I'd been witness to a convict for about five months because I was led to, you know. And I really didn't want to because this guy was obnoxious at times, you know, and he didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And I wouldn't have talked to him, I'll be honest, unless I thought I might get in trouble with the Lord if I didn't. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want to mess with that old heathen. <laughs> you wouldn't be that way. Let them all go to hell. You know what I mean? No, no, no. That's not the right attitude either. You know what I mean? That's not the right attitude. Forgive me. Just ask God to help me, you know. But I was thinking, you know, ain't nobody can help this guy, you know. Everything I tried, I mean, I pushed every button, pulled every lever. I quoted every scripture. Roman road of salvation. I went over that so many times we tore holes in asphalt. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a... <laughs> Going down, trying to lead him down the Roman road. You know, every, everything you tried. You know, the little, what was that chick tracks, you know, about hell. And y'all remember all them kind of things, you know. I, I had every tool at my disposal. I'm, I'm trying to do everything because the chaplain's office had all that. No success for about five months. But that day, the Spirit of God came on me. And I'm sitting there at the prison wall just weeping and crying as the Lord had said that to me. For about 45 minutes, I just basked in the glory and the anointing of God. And then sudden my peripheral vision to my side because I'm sitting down and I'm looking south. Y'all remember that? Looking south because I had my back facing north. I don't know what north, south, east, and west. You're not directionally challenged, are you? As a pilot, you got to know where you're at, you know. So I'm facing south. And so west is to my right, east is to my left. You know that, right? So you won't get lost now. <laughs> and I'm my peripheral vision, side view to my west, to my right. Somebody, I've seen somebody coming kind of walking hurriedly around the corner of this dormitory, which everybody's supposed to be what we call in the chow hall. But I turned to look, and when I looked, guess who it was? It was the guy that had been witnessed to for approximately five months with no success whatsoever. I stood to my feet under the anointing, still leaning against the building. And as I saw him coming to me, the Spirit of God said, the reason you can't help that man is because he's possessed with a homosexual spirit. He said he's also got a lying spirit and a spirit of hatred that's tagging around in his life, and that's what's been giving you this trouble and harassing you. He said, cast the devil out of him in my name. I'd never done it. I said, do what? I mean, this guy's coming. When he got up there where I'm at, 
And he's a pretty big fella. I mean, he's telling me everything he's giving me. What for? He's just angry. He's just agitated, telling me to leave him alone and everything. And then I could just, you know, I, I'd been kind of hard in dealing with him. But somehow the love of God just melted me. And somehow he sensed it. His name was Robert. I said, Robert, I can help you. I said, I'm not against you. I said, I'm trying to help you. I said, I know you don't understand what I've been saying. I said, I used to be like you. Not to that degree. <laughs> when possessed with one of them, I, I might have had trouble the other way, but not that way. Amen, I'll tell you that. Forgive me, Pastor. Forgive me, Pastor. You know what I mean? Forgive me. Forgive me. I, I'm just telling you, I, I didn't have any of that. <laughs> I know Pastor's trying to culture me, so it's not his fault, so don't. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, it wasn't, it wasn't that. You know, I thought, oh, my God, and so here I am. And I, what I was talking about, I was in darkness. I was trying to make him understand that I was in darkness. You know, I used to be like that. I didn't understand all this. And I said, I can help you. I can help you. I said, let's walk the prison yard because we was right by a dormitory window and I thought a guard inside may hear because he was pretty irate. So as we started walking along, all of a sudden the Lord let me see into the spirit room. And it's called discerning of spirits. That's where you actually see into the spiritual realm. It's not spiritual discernment is discerning of spirits spirits you can see in there it don't mean you just see devils you can see angels you can see the lord or whatever but it's one of the gifts of the spirit and i saw this demon that actually was possessing him and then the lord would say to me as i was walking he was training me it's my first experience as i'm walking along and this guy is talking you know and i'm thinking it's just him and the lord said now that's the devil speaking it was using his vocal cords, using his mouth, and using his body. He said, but that's an evil spirit speaking through him. I had to go look in the Bible and find this all in the Scriptures. Anytime that the Lord speaks to you, it'll be in the Bible. It'll be there. And so he said, that's an evil spirit talking to you. And then in a little while, the Lord said, now that's Robert. That's him. The spirit is a, it's a, spirit is a personality without a body. They do exist, and there's a lot of them, lots of them. And so as I'm walking along, and the Spirit is using his body, this evil spirit's using Robert's body to express himself in the physical world. They are disembodied spirits. They're here on this earth, and it's using his body to express himself. <clears throat> and I said, Robert, I said, I know what's wrong. I said, I didn't tell him he's demon-possessed. That's not too good to tell, you know. But I knew it by revelation. I said, uh, let's go to the chaplain's office. I don't like that chaplain. I ain't going up there. I hate that man. That man, he's ungodly. He never treated me right. The chaplain ain't never done anything wrong to him. You know what I mean? That's just the attitude. Don't want nothing to do with that. He's mean. You know. So I, I finally, it took me a while. I convinced him to go up there. I got him up to the chaplain in the office, you know. Uh, towards the office, and we was in the chapel, a little room, you know, just small with a, with a few benches. That's what they call the chapel. And I said, well, you sit right here. I said, let me go talk to the chaplain. He said, well, I ain't going to talk to him. I said, well, just stay right here. Would you stay right here? He said, yes. So I went in the chaplain's office. I said, chap, he said, what's wrong with you? He said, it looks like you either saw a devil or Jesus won. I said, chap, I think I saw both of them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He said, what is it? What's wrong? I said, you know that guy named Robert? 
so-and-so? He said, yeah. I said, I was standing out in the prison yard and the Spirit of God came on me while I was praying. Remember you told us to fast and pray and seek God and we've been doing it. And the anointing came on me and Robert walked around the corner and God told me he's possessed with a homosexual spirit and he's also got a lying spirit and a spirit of hatred tagging around his life and he told me to cast him out of him. He pulled a curtain back, it was a window, so he could peek out there into the thing and he seen Robert. He said, oh, you've been dealing with him for five months. I've been dealing with him for five years. He said, if he's got one devil, he's probably got 40. <laughs> you know, just as an expression. He said, well, what do you want me to do about it? I said, I come up here because I want you to help me cast the devil out of him. He said, the Lord ain't told me to do it. <laughs> That's a wise pastor, our chaplain. We try to bring all of our problems and drag all our old friends in and tell preacher you get them. No, you get them, you doggone self. If God sent you to them, you can deal with them. Amen? You cast the devil out of them and bring them to church. Pastor will preach to them once he gets them here. Amen? You deal with them. We're like the old-time Pentecostals. Chicken me shy, pass a mine by. You know, let somebody else have mine. I don't want mine. No, God brings people along your path because you have the anointing. You understand? So the chaplain said, the Lord ain't told me to do it. I said, well, chaplain, I've never cast a devil out in my life. He said, well, he brought you this far, son. He's going to take you the rest of the way. He said, that's not that I won't help you because I'd seen him cast out devils. And I'd been there by him. I didn't understand it, you know, because I didn't have the revelation. He said, but the reason I'm not going to do it is because this man has tried to get me fired. He's even had his family file lawsuits against me. And almost, and I'm at the point of losing my job. And he said, it's not the job I want. It's the ministry I got here among the convicts. And he said, this one more thing from him, and it would probably, they'd reward and they'd probably fire me. He said, so I don't need to be involved. He said, but I tell you what, you can use my office. I said, okay, okay. He said, now I'm going to step outside when, when you use the, the office, and you can bring him in here, and you can pray for him. It's just a little old bitty thing, about eight, by, it wasn't even eight by ten, I don't believe. It was small. You know, God just gets a corner in the world. He just gets a little corner, you know, a little piece, you know. They don't want to give him too much room. So they had the chapel in the lower room, about eight by eight, not even eight by ten, you know. Just big enough for a little small desk and a chair and another little chair where we could talk to somebody, and that's about it. So I'm standing there thinking, what am I going to do? I said, chap, chap. I said, uh, thank you for letting me use office. I said, but before I pray for him, I said, can I go down in the prison yard and get two of my ushers? Now, I had bouncers in my church. We did. We literally had bouncers. Now, you call them ushers, and we appreciate you ushers. Don't, don't get me wrong. We appreciate all you ushers. But we had bouncers because we actually had to throw people out. You know, when you go to the airport over there in Chicago or whatever, you go through them screening machines. We had ushers that stand on both sides of the doors, and they were screening machines. They screamed you in the Holy Ghost. And if they thought that you was coming into that chapel, because some people come out of their dormitories and cell block to kill people. See, if you ain't never lived there and been there, you don't know what I'm talking about. And so you had to, some people we could not let come because we knew they were up to no, We invited everybody, anybody's welcome, but everybody didn't come to serve God. We've had people getting stabbed while I'm trying to preach. So you had to try to do that. And so chaplain said, who are you going to get? 
I said, I'm going to get Dixon and Charlie. He said, yeah, that'll be good. He said, but watch Dixon. I'll tell you why he wants me to watch Dixon. Dixon was my number one bouncer. And, uh, you know, if things that wasn't uh, just right when he was witnessing to somebody, he was one of these Christian weightlifters. You know, he could bench press over 400 pounds and speak in other tongues at the same time. And he was kind of a short fella, but he was musculated. Do you know what I mean? I make up words. You'll have to interpret it. But anyway, he was musculated. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good country word for city folks. I mean, I mean, he was. A, and if he got to witnessing to somebody and they started talking about his Jesus, I mean, he loved his Jesus. He had been in prison for first-degree murder, but he got gloriously born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. But he had a lot of rough edges still, you know. Between me and the Holy Ghost, we're trying to knock some of them edges off. But if somebody said something about his Jesus uh, or mocked Jesus uh, while he was witnessing to them, you've heard of the right hand of fellowship? He would give them the right hook of fellowship. He would knock them down, jump on top of them, bounce them a few times, and tell them how much God loved them. Amen. That's exactly what he would do. Now, now this is a... <laughs> I'm telling you, Chaplain Browder... Chaplain Browder, he's too old now. Chaplain Browder's too old now, but I used to have him go to my own personal meetings with me and verify these stories. Because he lived with me through them, but he's too old to do it now. But we used to, even after I got out, we honored him and respected him as God blessed us. We blessed him and, you know, over the years and helped him because he was just a big influence in my life, you know. But... Uh, what they would do with Dixon, you know, Dixon would be down there. He called it getting them saved, you know. <laughs> Knock them down, jump on top of them. That's his way of witnessing to people, you know. And it seemed to be they wit listened a lot, you know what I mean, when he, when he witnessed that way. I'm not saying that, that you should try that. You better listen to your pastors and not me. I'm telling you, don't, don't listen to these convicts. But Dixon, you know, he'd be witnessing to one, they called it, you know, whopping one down there in one of them dormitories, and the guards would come. And they caught my nickname was Preacher. They say, Preacher, Preacher, the guard would come. Preacher, Preacher, come quick, come quick. I said, what is it? They said, Dixon's down there saving another one in D-Dorm. Go down there and get him. Because, see, if they went, they went, they would have to apprehend him, and he would go and lock up. And everybody locked it, liked him. I mean, he was just so enthusiastic about God that he had knocked you down about him. I mean, it, I mean he would just, he had seen him change so much. And I would go down there where he was at because he'd listen to me, you know. And he'd be down there on top of them, tell them how much Jesus loved them and everything like that. And I'd say, Dixon, let him go. Let him go. I taught you better than that. And I said, the Bible says those that say all men are of evil against you false for his name's sake. Uh, he said, if you go a mile, go another mile. He said, bless God, it says in the book of Jude, to save some that's snatching them out of the fire. He said, I'm just knocking the fire out of this one, that's all. <laughs> now... Pastors, your pastors would teach us that that's twisting the scriptures for our benefit. You know what I mean? And, but I would get him up and I'd get him going. So why am I going to get Dixon? The reason I'm going to get Dixon because I knew he could whoop the doggone devil by himself. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And Charlie, he's the praise and worship leader, brother. We had an acoustic guitar. And if we had four strings on that something, we thought we was somebody. Yeah, because you had break strings. You couldn't go down to the store. You know, they didn't let us go to the store. We called it going on vacation. They called it escaping. 
So we had five strings on there. We thought we had somebody. We had six. We thought we had a full orchestra. And that boy could play the guitar. Not quite as good as you, but he could play it. And he was up there, old Charlie, you know. And he'd lead us in praise and worship. And I figured he's another one to get in this. So I went down there. And the first one I saw in the prison recreation yard, I saw Charlie. I said, Charlie. I said, you know, Robert. Yeah. I said, he's demon possessed. I said, I need your help. We're going to cast the devil out of him. He said, we are? I said, yes, we are. He said, I ain't never done it. I said, me either. I said, but we're going to do it. He said, what do you want me to do? I said, just go up there and sit down and talk to Robert till I get there. Don't let him leave. He said, how can I stop him? He's mean. I said, well, just do what you got to do. I said, the chaplain's up there too. I said, where's Dixon? He said, I ain't seen him today. So I'm walking around out there, and you know, looking for him, you know, everywhere. And finally, I asked one of the other convicts out there. It didn't go to church, but everybody knows Dixon, you know. So where's Dixon? He's probably out there on the weight pile. So I went out there and looked, and sure enough, there's Dixon. He's on the weight pile. He's doing it, you know, praying in the Holy Ghost. And while he's laying on this bench, you know, doing bench presses. And I said, Dixon? He said, yeah. He's just a matter of fact, you know. I said, you know, Robert? Robert who? And I told him. He said, yeah. I said, the Lord just showed me back yonder. He's demon-possessed. He said, I saw you back there talking to him. And I said, the Lord told me to cast the devil out of him. And I said, I need you to go with me to cast the devil out of him. He said, where's he at? He said, he's up there in the chapel. And before I could stop him, he put them weights down in that bench. And he jumped up and he took off running across that prison yard. <laughs> well, I wasn't as good a shape as he was in. And I'm hollering at him, wait, Dixon, stop, Dixon. Wait, Dixon, stop, Dixon. You know what I mean? And he's just a charging across there, headed towards the chapel. And finally he stopped, turned around and put both hands on his hip and said, what do you want, preacher? And I finally got it close enough to him and I put my arm in his and locked it so he had to drag me if he took off. You know what I mean? I said, Dixon, I said, we're not going to beat the devil out of him. I said, we're going to cast the devil out in the name of Jesus. He said, bless God, I'll give it to him any way he wants it, preacher. <laughs> oh, he was a good church member. He got more people saved than anybody else in my church. Eventually, he mellowed out. But I'm telling you, you had to know where he come from. He fought his way through life. He come from the hood. He come from the gangs. He didn't know. He's learning all this. That's, that's the way of life. You just kill somebody or knock them in the head or something. You know, that's the way it was. That don't translate into Christianity. <laughs> Somehow we got the love of God. Y'all just keep agging me on. I'm trying to stop. But anyway, here we go. We got to get this devil out first. We don't want to leave it in that guy. So we got up to the chapel. I got Dixon in his arm. Charlie's there. I said, Robert. I said, are you ready? He said, yes. He said, but I ain't going to have nothing to do with that chaplain. I said, okay. So I went up there and I said, chap, I said, we're ready. I said, he said, he don't want to do with you. He said, I know it. So he walked out and he, he just looked at uh, Robert. He said, y'all go in and use my office. And he said, I'm just going to stand right outside here, Robert. He said, Robert, he said, you might understand it. He said, but I love you. And of course, Robert just snarled at him, you know. You know, he said, I, I love you, Robert. I always have. I've prayed for you many hours. And he said, I, I know the Lord's going to help you. So we got in there, and I didn't know what to do. And so I just had Robert to sit down in the chaplain's desk chair. I felt that was where the anointing would be. <laughs> the chaplain <laughs> had sat there, and so I put Robert on his throne. You know what I mean? Here. And so I sat down in that chair. I didn't know what to do next. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day like it is today. 
no bad weather or nothing. The window had a little uh, window with a curtain that was there, and you could see outside, you know, for a distance. So all of a sudden, all I knew is just what the Lord had showed me. I just said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, authority, power, and command. Didn't know I was doing it back then because I didn't have that revelation then. I did a little later. Authority and power, man. I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you foul homosexual spirits, and the other spirits is tagging around in his life. I command you to come out of him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And when I did, Robert started weeping and crying. He had never been that way before. And I thought, this is too easy. My Lord, it's not even what you read in the Bible. I mean, usually the devil tears them and throws them and kicks up a dust and a fuss. And I said, now, Robert, now, Robert. And I thought, and I got Dixon and Charlie standing there beside me, and they're praying in the Holy Ghost, you know, just waiting. And, of course, Dixon is waiting to pounce. You'd have to know him, you know, because he don't know what's going to happen. I said, now, Robert, now, Robert. I said, now, because I think this is it, you know. I mean, it's so simple. I mean, the name of Jesus, you're out of there. This is it. I said, now, now say, you got to say the sinner's prayer with me. we got to get you saved now because the, the devil is gone. So I said, now, say in the name of Jesus. And when I did, his eyes turned like fire. And he said, I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I said, oh, my God. And all of a sudden, this devil said to me, the devil did through his lips. He said, I'm a controlling demon over this prison. You don't have the authority to cast me out. You'll have to come back when you get the authority and the power. I thought, oh, my God, what have I got into now? I turned to look to Dixon and Charlie, and their expressions were as if to say, which way you want us to go, preacher? I mean, because this was supernatural. And I was gearing up. God is my witness. And I was going to say to them, let's get out of here, Jack. We'll come back. <laughs> We'll come back when we get that authority and power he's talking about. But revelation came, just like Chap said it would. The Spirit of God said, that's a lying devil that's lying to you. And the anointing came on me, and I said, you lying devil, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of him. And he began to roar and cry, and suddenly every light in the prison went out. Like somebody cut the main power supply. The generators, a big diesel engine that powers an electrical generator. I worked at one time on that crew that maintained it. It never failed. It always operated. It came on, the engine did, and ran about four or five seconds and failed. Came back on, run about ten seconds and failed. And then it never would start again. In fact, the electricity stayed off in that prison for over six hours. The electrical company was called. They went through every power switch, every electrical panel in the electrical room. They went through every panel, flipped every breaker, changed every fuse. Mr. Wingard, who's over that department for the uh, prison for the state of Alabama, was there. And this is what he told me later. I said, what caused the power to come back on? He said, I don't know. He said, we were just standing, down, standing around discussing what to do next, and suddenly the power came back on. He said, we don't know why it failed. No transformer failed. No breaker failed, but it failed. But when that happened and the power failed, I didn't know what was going on, but the Spirit of God said to me, 
Now, you can't build a doctrine on this, you understand. He said, the devil's turned the lights out in this prison trying to stop you from casting this devil out of him because it's a controlling spirit over this prison. He said, you go ahead and cast him out and I'll be with you. But I was still concerned. Didn't know what to do. Thank God for Chap. Thank God for our pastors. Chap opened the door. He said, Randy, he said, you may not understand this. He said, but the Lord told me to tell you the devil has cut the lights off in this prison. He said, I don't really understand it. He said, but you go ahead and cast the devils out of him. And he said, I'll keep the guards off of you as long as I can. Because when the power fails, then the security risk of the prison becomes greater. And so the guards are going to run everybody and call what they call a lockdown. And everybody's got to go to the respective cells and dormitories. So I, he shut the door and said, hurry. I can hear the guards now. And I can hear them start hollering, go back, go back with these bullhorns, you know, battery powered. Go back to your dormitories. Lockdown, lockdown. And everybody knew it when the power failed, you know. And so well, I, I turned back to Robert. I said, I command you to come out of him, you lying devil. And when I did... That devil in him caused him to stand up out of that chair and put his hands in the air, growling like an animal, and he should have never done that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dixon, Dixon is crazy enough without the anointing. But with the anointing, he is wild. Dixon just went over there and grabbed him and picked him up and shook him like a bulldog with a bone. And he said, devil, you come out of him like my preacher said. <laughs> and slung him back in that chair. I said, get him, Dixon. My God, get him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, it was just in a short amount of time. We wound up casting ten devils out of that boy. We cast them out of there. They'd call out their names as another message. Call him out in the name of Jesus. He was totally set free. And a matter of just a few minutes after that, uh, he had received, he started cry, calling out for Jesus himself. He was baptized with the Holy Ghost and began to speak fluently in other tongues. And you could hear the guards running around trying to get everybody back. And the chaplain running the door said, Randy, quick. He said that uh, the guards are coming. Y'all got to get out of here. There's lockdown. Y'all going to get in trouble. And when he seen Chaplin, the chap, Robert, Robert just leapt off the floor and he grabbed Chaplin around the neck. said, I love you, Chaplin. I love you, Chaplin. They cast the devil out of me, Chaplin. I love you. I love you, Chaplin. He said, okay, I love you too, Robert, but you got to go back. You got to go back. You got to go to your dormitory. And he's so drunk in the spirit, you know, he's staggering around. And then this big, burly, strapping officer that filled the door frame and the door come walking in. And he seen Robert, and Robert saw him. Robert leapt off the floor, throwed both arms around the guard's neck, said, I love you, officer, I love you, officer, I love you. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart when you get born again. And that officer said, get away from me. My God, get your hands off of me. What's wrong with you? You've been drinking. You're drunk, that's what it is. And the chaplain said, no, sir, no, sir. He ain't been drinking that prison homemade wine. He's been drinking Holy Ghost wine. He said, I'm going to lock all of you up if you don't go back. See, and I'm going to give you just a few minutes. And so I'm wondering, what am I going to do? Robert can't stand. His legs is like jelly, you know. And we're holding him up. Charlie and Dixon's trying to hold him up. And I said, Dixie, take him, Dixon, take him to his dormitory and put him in his bed. 
Now come back and give me a report in the cell block I live in because that's where he'd live too, Dixon. So they started out there, you know, and, and Dixon was, had his arm around him, you know, his waist, uh, trying to hold him up, uh, and he just slipped through. Robert slipped through his arms and fell in the floor. I said, Dixon, I told you to get him out of here. He said, uh, anyway? I said, anyway. So he just reached out and picked him up like a sack of taters underneath his arm. <laughs> and he started walking with him. And Robert is praying and singing in tongues at one end, and he's kicking in tongues at the other end. Said, can you kick in tongues? I've seen a lot of things in my life, but it appeared to be. So they had to go out the side door of the chapel, because they're already locking down a lot of them. Had to go out the side door and go across this large open field to get to a dormitory in the prison compound. As the door closed and Dixon's got him down here, Robert's singing all kinds of songs in the spirit and kicking and everything. And Dixon trying to get him to shut up because they don't want to get locked up, you know. And he goes, and Dawn don't chap and I at the same time. What about if Deputy Warden Thurman's standing in the yard? Because a lot of times he does. And he's got this bullhorn, lockdown, lockdown, you know. And so we both ran to the chapel window, and sure enough, there stood Deputy Warden Thurman, Deputy Warden Thurman standing in the yard with a bullhorn. And here's Dixon with Robert under his arm, and Robert's singing in the spirit and kicking in the spirit. You know what I mean? Oh my God, it looks like there's something going on. And he turned to look, the warden did, and he's looking, trying to figure out what all this is. And I said, chap, help us. Chap, help us. Go tell the warden something. He said, what am I going to tell him? I said, anything, go. Well, you have to know the chaplain. He'd eat a lot of biscuits, so he looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. And so he started running out across the prison yard, his belly a-flapping, you know, and he's a-hollering at the warden, 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 warden. And so he takes the attention from Robert M. and the warden got to laughing because his belly was shaking so much. You know what I mean? Because he had never seen Chaplin run around. And he was hollering and he said, Warden, Warden. He said, spiritual experience, sir. Spiritual experience. He said, that's what it is. It's a spiritual experience. And Dixon looks at me, you know, like, what do I do? Because I'm standing outside at this time. I said, go, go, go. So he got him over there to his dormitory and put him in his bed. Laid down. He made it back to our cell block. He come by my cell before he got to his. I said, Dixon, what happened? He said, I don't know. He said, but when I left him, I laid him down on the bed. He's so drunk he can't stand up, drunk in the spirit. And he said, he's singing in other tongues. He said, he's got them other convicts over there scared because they think he's lost his mind. <laughs> I said, let's pray and just pray that nothing happens and they don't get him. He don't get no trouble. And I said, let's wait till tomorrow and see what happens. So the next day, during the night, you know, the lights and power came back on. The next day, one of the convicts that slept in the same dormitory that Robert did come rushing over to my cell block. said, preacher, preacher, what did you do to him? I said, who? Robert, what would y'all do to him? I said, what do you mean, what did we do to him? He said, y'all done something because I saw Dixon bring him in, and he was out of his mind. He's a doggone fool. He lost his mind talking about Robert. I said, what happened, what happened? He said, well, he was... He was singing in these languages we never heard before. That's all he could think. He said, finally he went to sleep. He said, but this morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning, he woke everybody in the dormitory up, and he was singing this song, and it scared them so bad they all got out of bed because they thought he lost his mind. They call it flipping out, you know. They thought he flipped out, and they sat beside the wall waiting for the doors to open where they can get out of there. I said, what was he singing? He said, he was singing this song. I love the warden. I love the warden. <laughs> Convicts didn't love the warden. 
unless you were born again. Oh, it so gloriously changed his life, and it started revival throughout that prison. And our little church went from a handful of about 11 to over 120 born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians, and most of them we cast the devil out of. You took me a long ways. I didn't mean to keep you this long, but it's your fault. I'm telling you, you got to blame it on somebody. Adam did, Eve did, you know. They blamed it on somebody. But uh, this is a revelation for the hour, authority, power, and command. Now, what I want to point out to you is something else, too, closing this thing. We're shutting her down. That's a miracle. But let me point out something to you. I did not go hunting a devil. It came to me. Jesus didn't go hunting the devil. He interrupted Jesus. So I'm not telling you to get demon conscious and devil kooky. You've got to say these things. But at the same time, because if you don't watch it, if you don't watch it, some of y'all would be casting devils out of doorknobs. Come on, you lying devil. Or the wind blows the curtain. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. The car door slams it on. Take your hands off my car, you devil, in the name of Jesus. So I'm not telling you become demon conscious and devil kooky. But at the same time, don't be passive when you're confronted by the enemy. When you sense evil or any kind of oppression in your mind or anything that comes against you, you immediately stand up against it. If your children are dealing with issues, bad dreams and things like that, you start dealing with it. You know what I mean? Because some of these things, not everything, not everything, you have to be led by the Lord, but some of these things are actually caused by evil influences, evil spirits. That don't mean your children are possessed or nothing like that. The devil attacked me with a spirit of fear just as a little boy. Caused me to get into drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. Made me feel inferior, insecure. You know, it's just a spirit of fear. And the only way I could function was when I was high on drugs. That's what led me down that path. How I know the Lord showed me about all that.